For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I wait, this is going to be a good one. Not that they aren't all good, but this is going to be an excellent wrestling podcast. Of course, last week we had Carmella on. Uh, we'll have video of that going up. I just uh, posted video of the Bob Backlund interview that I did the week before last. So that video is up at YouTube.com slash NotSam. The Carmella interview will go up, as will our guest today, Finn Balor. Finn Balor making his second appearance on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Another interview that was taped at the WWE Performance Center. And I have to say that this was taped... Uh, a little while ago, not super, super long ago, but a f- several weeks back. And it was before WWE was in the trouble that they were in. Otherwise, I certainly would ask Finn, as the kind of up-and-coming NXT guy, um, what he thinks of the creative state of the main roster. That wasn't really an issue when we did this interview. So we don't end up talking about that, but we do end up talking about him uh, throwing the crotch chop at the TNA uh, in front of the TNA headquarters. We talk about uh, the, throwing up the two suites with Triple H. We talk about busting through the ceiling, a whole bunch of stuff. It's a really great interview, so uh, you're going to enjoy that. State of wrestling, uh, it's time to break everything down. There's no question in my mind it's time to break everything down. You saw the same Raw that I did. Uh, WWE is in a weird place, so Katie Linendahl is going to be joining me for that, and we will talk about everything. Now, this week, I did talk to Joey Ryan. Last week, Joey Ryan went viral after this podcast came out. Joey Ryan, um, pro wrestling gorilla fame, but he was in TNA for a while. Um, He went to Japan, and he was involved in a test of strength uh, with a Japanese man versus his penis. Joey Ryan ended up victorious. His penis flipped the man over. The video went everywhere. It was on ESPN. It was on the Daily News. It was everywhere. Everywhere that videos are, this video went. I talked to Joey Ryan on my SiriusXM show last week. I was going to put up that video. Oh, I did put up that video. I was going to put that on this week's podcast, but I said, you know what? No. Let that be bonus material. So if you want to hear the Joey Ryan interview, all you have to do is go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSam. You can also find the interview in the videos section of NotSam.com, and you can see and hear the Joey Ryan interview for yourself right there after this podcast. So a ton of great wrestling content coming at you this week, all free of charge, courtesy of Sam Roberts' show on SiriusXM and Sam Roberts' wrestling podcast. Let's do it. Let's get to the interview before we get to State of Wrestling uh, and a conversation at the WWE Performance Center, yours truly, Sam Roberts, alongside Katie Linendahl, speaking with the great Finn Balor. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. We're here in the WWE Performance Center, Sam Roberts, Katie Linendahl, and look who's back, 
Finn Balor. He's back. Finn, what's the haps? Uh, the haps are, it's uh, Thursday. Yeah. We got Coco Beach show tonight. Yeah. We're just after being in in the in the weight room earlier on this morning, lifting lots of weights, getting yeah. jacked. Yeah. See, like, we just went in the weight yeah. room. Yeah, it's like just over there. That way. No big just deal. <laughs> Yeah, I was in there too. Yeah, obviously, totally. right? Yeah. It's like jacking up Using that the keg. restroom. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want yeah. to say. Bathroom's through there, right? Yeah. Um, how do you like, though? You got Coco Beach tonight, you said. Yeah. Coco Beach holds how many people? I don't know. I think uh, maximum capacity might be like 220. Okay, so you got 200 people. Yeah. What's it like to go from Brooklyn, where you got 13,000 people, back to Coco Beach, where you got 200 people? Believe it or not, for me, yeah, I really enjoy it. You do? Yeah, it's more like intimate, you know? And, uh, you know, you can really kind of have almost like a personal relationship with each and every fan that's there. Uh, Sometimes it's so intimate, too, you can have almost a personal relationship with the facility. <laughs> <laughs> well, that has happened before in a, a little town called Lakeland. Yeah. Uh, you penetrated I, the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, choose your words wisely, Sam. But, uh, <laughs> the segment's already reached an all-time low. <laughs> Great. What? I'm just, I mean. Dude, if that wasn't a, a push through ceiling, you'd have been effed. Yeah, well. Like. It was, uh, I won't say that uh, it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> but I was aware that the ceiling was, you know, a little lower than normal. So I thought, you know, might, that, as, might as well test the boundaries of what we're doing here in this business. And yeah. <laughs> see if we can literally let's, blow the roof let's off. Let's revolutionize the business <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> tear the house down yeah. so do you like are you in the ring like are you looking up and be like wait a minute I think those tiles are pushed through or do you figure that out before the match well I just hoped I just hoped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this no. is the dumbest uh, thing I've ever heard uh, yeah well I hadn't been in the ring before the before the show you know we got there late and mm -hmm. you know, yeah, straight into the ring and it was really only when I got up on the roof and I could kind of smell the dust mm -hmm. on the ceiling <laughs> oh I was like well I'm close like, to <laughs> yeah. here. I'm gonna go for it I'm just gonna go for it yeah did anybody say anything after that uh, like that was dope no well uh, the, the interesting the internet part, did yeah. yeah the interesting thing was like one of these uh, turnbuckle pads that actually came off during the match uh -huh. and there was a hole still left in the ceiling <laughs> from what went through <laughs> so just to annoy the referees I took the uh took the, the phone pad and like chipped it over the ceiling. <laughs> Speaking of referees, I hate to go here this early, but... Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, you heard about this, right? Yeah, what's it called? Refgate? That's right. Ref yeah, 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 yeah. I woke up nation. one morning and uh, I get hashtag Refgate all over my uh, my right. Twitter. Well, because you're here, I was issue. very curious to, uh, as to what was going on. Well, the referees in WWE are not doing a great job. Not I, well, you, you've got I the, disagree. Well, you, well, that's because you've got the title and not Katie told me yeah. that Tyler Breeze is the rightful champion. Well, and it was like a game of telephone because I had to hear it from the people. The people. You know? Yeah. They know the ref issues that are ongoing. And then, you know, when it's 2, 3 in the morning and I'm getting DMs from people in Texas, I... I it's unacceptable. Okay, so my, my first introduction to RefGate was as this so-called incident happened. I think it was in Austin with, mm -hmm. me, and, uh, with me and Tyler. Mm -hmm. it, is this something that's been going on, like, previous? Keep up. Okay, okay. <laughs> Keep okay. up. Okay, sorry I'm not one of these uh, people we'll, we'll that get you a attention shirt. to. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's some main roster stuff. It was the first instance we saw it on NXT. Okay. But, I mean, there's a lot of main roster stuff happening. And then when it traveled down to NXT, we said this is not good because this is where the referees yeah. are supposed to come to train. And if these are the bad habits they're learning in Florida. Well, you know, we've an excellent referee here, at, uh, Sean Bennett. That's our head referee. And oh, I, I know do, Sean Bennett. I do believe, you know, his tweet went a little bit viral. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he solved the uh, Austin, Texas ref game. Well, he defended problem. himself. I don't know if he, he was his own judge there. So, I don't know. He had a little bias. It's still bias. up for debate. Yeah. 
you might have won this one, but our voices were heard. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of, of, of wrestling in a little room like Cocoa Beach, yeah. you probably like that better because you, you must know how to re react with every crowd there is. I mean, you've worked in basically every conceivable room already before coming here. Pretty much. It yeah. is, that's yeah, right, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but you, you prefer the smaller rooms? I wouldn't say I prefer anything. I just like variety. Right. You know, and if you get kind of uh, any kind of consistent, like uh, anything consistently the same all the time, like, you know, it just kind of gets kind of stale. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, having that variety here at NXT is brilliant. You know, we get to do all the local stuff around Florida, which is, you know, more intimate stuff. Then we take the, go on the road at the road shows and it's a little bit more wild crowds and then we do obviously the special in Brooklyn was incredible you know did that big arena so is it variety is the spice of life it is I've heard yes. that yeah. <laughs> I like the variety too because <laughs> what's fun about you as an individual is you kind of throw out these wild cards sometimes and you keep things you're so well media trained and everything's so consistent and you never mess up but then you get this kind of wild card here and there where like you're in front of TNA headquarters and you're doing a suck it and like, you know, thousands of people yeah, are retweeting it. Yeah. Or you respond back to Matt Hardy and say, hey, you know what? We're in a field of mud. We don't have time to play your games. Right. Just like these funny little things that kind of keep you on the edge. Mm -hmm. But how do the people in, how do WWE officials react to you posting a thing on Twitter where you're crotch chopping in front of TNA's headquarters? Uh, you know, it was I really th well received. It, it was, uh, everyone kind of realized that, you know, took it for what it was and it was just a bit of fun you know it, good? We lit, it, it was literally a complete potluck we arrived in Nashville they dropped us off at a gym because we had four hours to kill mm -hmm. the gym was below the TNA office <laughs> <laughs> coincidence the bus like pulled up right outside the sign I was like that's a TNA sign <laughs> Like, you know, Nobody the boys, on the bus is like all, driving the bus like, wait a minute, I don't know if this is yeah, the best gym to go to. All, all the boys were like busy, you know, pulling their bags out from under the bus and stuff. And I, I had you one, saw opportunity. One, yeah, I had one thing on my mind. <laughs> Retweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your social media favorite. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with the tweet you said about and, and tag CM Punk? Oh, yeah, that was just a little just bit a fun of fun UFC, too. whatever? Yeah, yeah, I think he was trying to pawn uh, myself and my good friend Grado off against each other. And I was just kind of uh, making him making them aware that myself and Grado are actually good buddies and you know, we, we might come after UFC. <laughs> it's weird. I feel like wrestling is very weird now, but I think it, it, it's kind of the culture. Like, in the 90s and the late 90s, people in general were very sort of cutthroat and competitive and people who were trying, whereas now, and you wouldn't see WWF guys and WCW guys kind of joking around. It was like, we're fighting for our lives here, whereas now you've all kind of come up together and you've just filtered out in different directions yeah so it's like you guys aren't really afraid to say no we're we're all buddies and if he's doing well and i'm doing well then we're happy about it yeah i think like yeah uh, definitely the internet has kind of brought everyone together right you know and uh and you know it's a, it's a tool that we should use to to our benefit you know to create interest with the fans like all around the business not just you know one particular company so uh, you know, maybe if we can poach a couple of TNA fans or UFC fans, you know, why not? When did, uh, was it as soon as they signed you that they realized that they needed to take some of the stuff that you've done before and put it in? Like some of the stuff that Fergal Devitt did needs to be reflected in Finn Balor. Like obviously Balor Club is somewhat 
similar to things you've done in the past. <laughs> like really? Bit, I don't know if the yeah, it might be scheme just or the, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Something is reminiscent of really? I don't, I don't, something. I don't get what you're talking about there, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or this thing. I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't know if it was a con- conscious decision for them, you know, to kind of you know reference my past or whatever. But uh, you kind of can't ignore what's right in front of your face, you know. Right. Is it and like yeah, so people start showing up to NXT with their homemade exactly, Valor yeah. Club shirts on? That's exactly what But I feel like you now. also can't ignore the fact that I feel like now you're kind of differentiating yourself paint and off paint a little bit more with the music changes, with the entrance uh-huh. changes. Is that uh-huh. key for you yeah, to well, make what, that separation? Absolutely. You know, it was always something that was um, that was very separate before I came here. And uh, it was when I came here, uh, the lines kind of got blurred a little bit and uh, the, the non-painted version was almost like a toned-down version of the paint. And uh, I wanted to kind of... Uh, separate the two again, so that's that's the direction that we've been going. And so this so is like so different far, so characters, yeah, yeah, it's all two together, different people, yeah, yeah. 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 Which yeah. one do you do you like performing as better? Actually, right now I'm kind of liking just being myself, you know. Fonzie Finn Balor with the jacket. Fonzie Finn Balor. Hey. Oh, what's the little? Uh, what's the little? Uh, the little kind of lizard guy people keep sending me on Twitter that he he like flaps his wings like that and he has sunglasses on. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like something from no, it's something from the Muppets. I think. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's Beaker. I'm not too well versed on the Muppets, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I only watch serious adult stuff like pro wrestling. I don't watch oh, Muppets, yeah, yeah. kid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the variety of different arenas that you've been to. If, yeah. if you could say that you missed one thing from Japan, what would it be? Corrigan Hall. An actual arena? At all of Japan. I was about to say Carl Anderson's going to be upset by that answer, but go yeah. right. Okay, yeah, no. Because I want to hit you with several of these, so. Uh, I miss, yeah, I miss Carl Anderson. I miss the, the food out there. I miss the crack with the boys. Because uh, I had a lot just, of good, yeah. To be clear, crack is a fun, fun. Is a term. It's not crack crack. Regards to So what we're saying here is on TMZ. crack is fun. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, right. C-R-A-I-C. Oh, oh. It, oh. Yeah, it's spelled differently. It's an right. Irish term. So, uh, Switch gears. Uh, okay. Something you miss about Ireland. Ireland family. Fresh air, countryside, mountains. One thing you like about Orlando? Performance center. How long before... How many minutes did it take being in Orlando to realize that this is like the harbinger to the end of society? <laughs> how dare you, Lennon? <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet. I will, I, will, I will say that... Uh, the moment I stepped off the plane, I came straight from Tokyo to uh, to Orlando for my first day here. And the moment I stepped off the plane, you saw a bell bond shop. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, the humidity hit me like a, oh, right. like a smack, and uh, I couldn't understand why like humans had set up like a civilization, <laughs> right. city, like <laughs> all the infrastructure here. Right. Because <laughs> it's the middle of the uh, middle of August. But, you know, I'm starting to starting to acclimatize to it a little bit. You're, you're getting the hang of it yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, when you started. I mean, obviously, you couldn't help but break out the two suites. Yes. As Finn Balor, what does what does Triple H think? Because the two suite goes back to the NWO, which but uh, started with the Click. Yeah. And Triple H, who's now your boss. Yeah. He embraces you and like Kevin Owens and and the Young Bucks are still doing it. All all the. Yeah. Can I say one thing about the Young Bucks? So when I was going back through videos and. and learning all about the Young Bucks, when you first introduced them, this is one of my favorite moments in the timeline. You said the Young Bucks, and I thought you said Young Books, and I was like, that's really educational. Good for you. So I had that they're wrong people. for quite a while. Yeah, yeah they, it's, <laughs> they're not mean, books. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, they're not books. Actually, uh, a point that you didn't realize there, in that promo, I actually called them 
MacBook and Nickbook. Oh, that's <laughs> the <funny>. young books. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure. Right. So I just always call them Matt and Nick. You know? <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were using Jackson or not. So I just said, right. oh, MacBook. Books. <laughs> books. Well, it's, yeah. it's educational. Yeah. It's great. But Sorry, is, I cut you off. What does Triple H think of you kind of bringing you know back the two suites? Yeah, that's interesting because we haven't actually ever had that conversation. Really? It, yeah, it was something that Come when on. I came, honestly, and it was something that when I came here, I thought, like, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. And uh, you know he threw it up one time, so I'll give you two. Cool, yeah, man. And then like you know I consciously stopped doing it like in the ring, uh -huh. but then like so many fans were like throwing it up. I said like, oh, I'll give you one here, I'll give you one there, and then it was just like just came all the way back. So right, can we yeah. add to that too? Because we've been at was it Philly or Albany, Albany, where you actually threw up a little Triple H. What do you mean? Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember it was, before, uh, right when he came out. It was actually really interesting. We should we should step back in that moment for a second because mm -hmm. it was a true sign of your character in the sense that we were in Albany. This was on the road, one of the first NXT on the road, yep. and the music wasn't working. Yep. Yes. And the arena was so hot. It was like an inferno. Yes. It's like Florida. Totally. Yeah. And it was you, Tyler Breeze was already at the ring, and then we were waiting and waiting and waiting and. A true sign of your character was you just decided to come out without yeah. the music and hear the fans just kind of filled in and gave you like a homemade version. Right, they were just like, dun, 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 <laughs> it was dun, so dun, awesome. Yeah. But then after that, you come to the ring, music finally kicks on, and yeah, you Triple H'd it. Yeah, so what happened was, um, I guess it was a triple threat. Uh, Tyler came to the ring first yes. with music. Yep. Right as he got in the ring, the sound system shut down. And it takes like five minutes for them to like reboot the whole it system in the arena. like an eternity. Yeah. So, so I'm standing behind the curtain ready to go out. And uh, the producer, Sarah Del Rey, and I said, uh, Sarah, will I go? And she says, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. So I'm like, I'm waiting. It's like one minute. It's like two minutes. I can, like, I'm peeking through the curtain and I can see Tyler kind of go, oh, man, what's going on here, you know? And he's kind of giving it this to try and get the people going, you know, and keep them in it and stop them losing it. And like, it's three minutes. Now it's four minutes. And Sarah's saying, no, 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 wait. They're trying to get it. I was like, ah. Oh. And I just felt like I have to go because even if I waited for the music and then the music came on, I thought I would have got booze, you know, just because like, mm. like I'd look like a prima donna for waiting for the sound right. to go out. Mm. So I said, ah, hell, I'm going. <laughs> I just went out and I kind of went, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, whatever. But it turned out like been pretty cool. What happened was the building was so hot and I, I spoke with Kevin afterwards. Kevin was actually making his, his entrance and he was up on the stage and I just like motioned to a fan and said, hey give me a water you know so like he chucked a bottle and I caught it and took a sip of water and it was like in that instant I thought oh Triple H spot you know <laughs> <laughs> so I stepped out onto the apron and I hit it and I, I actually felt really bad because I kind of stole a little bit of Kevin's thunder on on his entrance you know that's, yeah that's probably why he's he hates me. I didn't he even remember that. Yeah, yeah he even came out at that point so you did yeah. congratulations almost, almost a year ago to the day yeah. I was down here yeah and I was filming stuff for another thing and they were you guys they were doing some media event but there were a bunch of you practicing oh, and remember. doing like classes and stuff yeah. like that and so I started shooting the rings and stuff and it was you and Hideo and Kevin Owens yeah. and you were all just in class yeah we're in this ring right behind you here yes. and we're rolling and like we're looking at each other going Kev what are we doing here <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Hideo's going oh Danny oh, I don't understand no understand yeah, that's right I'm like I was like so yeah, I'm like, fine boys just trust them I'm sure they know what they're doing you know? <laughs> cause I'm like yeah I'm like looking in the ring and I'm like these are the sort of the most buzzworthy signees that they've gotten in a long time. Like, those are the three Doing guys. They're, they're rolling. Like, yeah. it's just, like, how many roll? And you guys were almost, like, it seemed like just 
well, having a crack, is that how you would say yeah, it? Yeah, like, a crack. You yeah. were just like rolling as many times <laughs> as you could. Yeah, yeah. Like, all right, whatever. Yeah. What's the transition like when you're in the performance center to go from being in just a drill class to being the heavyweight champion within a year? Um, it's not so much a transition, you know. I think uh, it was a very good experience for myself, Kevin and Hideo, to come in here and be treated just as everyone else, you know, and not to be kind of the red carpet rolled out and uh, kind of, oh, here's these three big guys that have done, like, stuff elsewhere, because really when you come in the door, that's the door you come in, mm -hmm. right behind us, and, like, everyone's the same, you know, mm -hmm. you got to start from scratch, you got to work your way up from the bottom, and that's what the three of us have decided to do, so. Uh, and, and what do you have to do, like, do you have to go to classes for a few weeks and be like, guys, like, I think, I think well, we're believe, ready for believe, TV. Believe it or not, the, uh, the protocol is that everyone that comes in, you know, there's a lot of adjusting to the performance center with the schedule, you know, the weight training's a lot different, you know, and, um, you know, promo classes and everything, and it's very busy, so what they actually do is they keep you out of the ring for the first month. So, so you were out for a month just yeah, watching? Yeah, I sat right behind us, right behind here, uh, watching this ring and the rookies ring, and we just uh, we would just watch the rookies roll, and myself, Kevin, and Hideo would just sit there watching the rookies <laughs> roll, and to be honest, the three of us were like nudging each other, going, oh, man, this is great, my body feels great, <laughs> I haven't had this off. much rest yeah. in like, years, you know? Yeah. So, Switch uh, gears, too, and now if somebody knew your agenda and your schedule, it's like... It's like playing Tetris. There's no, if people knew how much work you're doing day in and day out, it's intense. Yeah, yeah. Can you speak to that in um, terms of the weekly agenda that you go through? It's uh, not just being at a show, it's being at class, it's being at drills, it's being on interviews. Yeah, well, it's perform traveling. Yeah, performance center is Monday to Friday, like every week. Then we have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we've got live events. Sometimes they're on the road, so we don't either come back till Sunday or Monday morning. Then we got what we're doing here, which is in the afternoon, in between training and a show. Right. And, uh, you know, we got promo classes in the evening. Uh, we got all the other media stuff we got to do. So it's... Uh, it's and it just uh, even put that in a bigger And I haven't shot. run my errands yet for the past month or so. Got to do laundry, grocery shopping. Text my mom back. I'm like, oh. So I think that's what maybe people don't realize is that as much as you don't have to be on the road like the main roster does, just traveling all the time, you're just as busy because they're just... They got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, they got us. Yeah, they got well, us. Well, and also, yeah. On the flip side of that, can you, for example, like Beast in the East, when you yeah. were traveling, what was that seventy-two hours like for somebody that doesn't know anything about what happens behind the scenes, starting in Orlando? Uh, starting in Orlando, flew to wherever Raw was, which I think was Washington. I went to Raw. Next morning, we woke up, flew to Singapore which was 24 hours straight. Uh, we actually stopped off in Tokyo for like three hour transit. <laughs> uh, we landed on the morning of the show in Singapore. So we had like four hours of sleep in the morning, got up, worked the show in Singapore, went straight to the airport after the show, flew to Tokyo, landed the morning of the first night in Tokyo, slept for four hours. I worked Chris Jericho, had dinner, slept, Turned up at the arena at 9 a.m., got painted for four hours. Media. Media, paint, uh, worked Kevin in the title match. Right. Slept for four hours, flew straight back here. Uh. Give this guy a nap, people. <laughs> a so, nap. So what do you like better, though? I mean, because with that schedule comes the glory of, of 
getting to go to Japan wow. and getting to have this spot on Beast and, oh, Beast and all that you, stuff. Do you even know you're in Japan at that point? Well, I mean, you do get a pretty prime spot. So, like, what, like, is it better to be able to sit down for a month and not do anything and just watch people roll around in the ring, or is it better to go? Oh, no, and that, have to you just that was a softball. Film a film a commercial with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to stop you there. Hold on, no, I can. We can do better than this, Sam, because the question is, what is the schedule that you had in Japan? so different than that like those are two different worlds right that's crazy this is the crazy part to me it's like having a lot more luxury where yeah. you were now you're like no, 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 I'm talking about right now. schedule i don't know what you like two different questions <laughs> i mean the before versus after like did you would you like to go back to just sitting around and taking more time off or or do you prefer being busy no, I'm here to work, you know. Yeah. I didn't come to sit down. So. <laughs> Just nudge people while other yeah. people roll around. <laughs> I can't wear to He's also in Orlando, so he'd probably be rather working. Yeah. 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 Well, great. Well, Finn, ba I mean, what's... Do you have... Do you want to be on the main roster right now, or would you rather... That's, that's the question people keep asking me. Yeah. Now, but I really believe, like, that what we're doing here at the Performance Center, what we're doing with NXT is something that's going to be kind of remembered for years, and uh, I feel like to get you know, quote-unquote, called up to the main roster would be maybe like a step back from my career right Like, you know, obviously instant gratification, yeah, you go straight up onto the main roster, that's great. But, like, I think what we're doing here at NXT will stand longer in history. Right. As, like, a kind of revolutionary period. And, like, to kind of just pull myself out of that, I think, would be, you know, detrimental to my career in, in the long, long term. term, you know? Not dissimilar from when you're trying to figure out when is the time to leave Japan? Because WWE is the exactly. spot, but like, exactly. I'm kind of doing huge and yeah, things. And you know, it worked out because, you know, a couple of years ago I had an opportunity to come to WWE and it probably wouldn't have worked out because I was a lot less, uh, you know, I was probably, I was less ready. Right. There was less buzz about it and there was no NXT yeah. to come to. So like, uh, I don't know, perfect place, perfect time. I got yeah. lucky, hit the jackpot. But I think I did do comment. Didn't you wrestle a match for Jersey All Pro Wrestling once in Rawway? Yeah. I did commentary on that match. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, apologize. I apologize. <laughs> that was before you were ready for WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, New Japan attacked East Coast. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember well. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, in Jersey I might have wrestled in a eight-man tag. It was myself, the current head coach. Matt Bloom, who yeah. was uh, Giant Bernard, Carl Anderson, yeah. and my Apollo 55 partner, Taguchi, against probably Chaos, so it was Jado, Gato, and maybe Naito, and Yujiro. What happens to you? Do you just have like a, when, when you wrestle for as long as you do and take it kind of as seriously as you do, do you just have a click-in wrestling memory where you just remember things like that? No, actually, to be honest, the 15 years is a blur. Fuck <laughs> 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 those. So how did you know the raw way No, because it, 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 yeah, you know, we only came to the States, with, well, I only came to the States with New Japan once. Oh. And I specifically remember those three shows. So, uh, so you know, they're, they're standout memories, but, you know, you can ask me any match in Japan that I don't in and it's a blur. Right. Yeah. Three counts. Uh, we have to end with three count random questions. Yep. One, why no tats? Because uh, of a short attention span and I'd get bored of it after like five minutes. Spirit animal? It's giraffe. Go ahead, Sam, you get the last one. I don't know. Uh, what's your, if you could pick any kind of ice cream flavor, like anything's available to you. What are you doing? Like a wall? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Or are you going stuff? Froyo? I always go vanilla. You do? Always, yeah. 
You do. Yeah. Well, dependable. Same. Now you're not a part of the Breaking Ground show. I'm not. No. Are you disappointed by that? Uh, honestly, I'm on the fence. I'm really excited to see how the show turns out. Uh, but you know, being kind of a purist of this business, it's it's very abnormal for me to want to let people in. Right. And uh, so I'm very curious to see how the show turns out and how it pans out and how it portrays the business. Uh, whether I, you know, I'm not upset that I'm not in it, put it that way. But you're more of an old school thinker where you don't necessarily think it's a great thing to have everything exposed. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. I think there's there's a certain window we can crack. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think, like, you know, showing the whole thing, which I'm, I'm sure they won't and I hope they won't. But, um, but you know, it's been, it's been really cool, uh, like, learning curve for me, like, getting used to like seeing all these camera men around that like you know aren't really involved in our business kind of getting access to it and kind of like getting personal relationships with the cameramen and mm-hmm. kind of like over time like I've slowly began to trust them because mm-hmm. they're there so much you know and uh, and even some of the sim- cinematography and it's going to be incredible because we were on the road in I think we landed in Houston and uh, we're in the bus on the way to the arena and like there's a minivan like flying along beside us and I'm just like looking out the window going like what? And honestly I thought it was like one of those uh, one of those action movies where there's a guy with a missile launcher like <laughs> hanging out the uh, hanging out the side of the minivan. And I thought what? Is he gonna blow up like I thought it was like TNA to coming to blow up our bus. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but it was one of the cameramen like on a harness like hanging out the side of the minivan like shooting our bus so I'm sure uh, I'm sure the the cinematography's gonna be cool if What's the, what's the one thing that people don't realize that's part of the journey of going through the performance center that you think should be shown on Breaking Ground? Oh. I think if people get a grasp of how hard the daily grind is, because you know people kind of see the glory, people see the TV show an hour a week, but they just don't realize how much work goes into it. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, if people can even like get a, a 5% understanding of the 100% of the effort that goes into it, you know, it'll be worth it. We did see a little with Demon Revealed on the network. It was a little mini-docu on you, so perhaps not with Breaking Ground, but we did get an inside look. What is two things that people would be surprised if it was a little bit more in your life about you? What would people be... Uh, I think people would be surprised that uh, just... If Breaking Ground was on me, yep. probably how I don't really do anything else except wrestle. <laughs> you know, yeah, I would be a wrestling documentary if it's a documentary. Yeah, you know, because like there's not much time to, f- to fit anything else in, you know. Uh-huh. It's, it's basically come here, go to a show, got six hours, got to sleep, you know, that's it. There it is. Well, that's optimistic. Finn yeah. Balor. <laughs> yeah. I'm holding on to retirement sound. Yeah. Do you have hobbies? Out- do you want to do stuff outside of wrestling? Uh, like if, if wrestling dried up for you? Would I love you be Legos. Like, yeah, I yeah, do. I do. Just, yeah, just build, I, like, I, I still play the Legos. Obviously, everyone knows that now. Like, yeah, that was a big secret that I kept like locked up for a while, and uh, the little documentary. Okay, come on, we need one more secret. Um, Give us something good. We found out about the vanilla well, ice cream. I mean, I don't know. That was kind of boring, dude. Yeah, I used to do a lot of hiking when I had a lot more no, free time working for no New Japan. Come on, yeah. something, um, something real. Jeez. dive deep. It's like a psychology. That's that's so hard, man. He just wrestles all the time. He doesn't have a lot going on. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I like rom-coms. You do? Hugh Grant, yeah. Pops me every time. Hugh Grant is like... <laughs> people don't talk about how charming he is yeah. enough. He really is a charmer. You ever seen that movie about a boy? <laughs> oh, right right yeah. Yeah. Right. No Man is an Island. Yeah. A little kid singing Killing Me Softly. It gets me every time. <laughs> Love that movie. 
<laughs> well, Finn Balor, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you, Sam. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thanks. Here is Sam Roberts. Big thanks to Finn Balor for being a part of the show this week. Uh, and I'm very, very excited that he likes the movie about a boy as much as I do. Oh, my God, that movie. I could watch it forever. Love it. I got it on Blu-ray. I'm not kidding. Uh, so, yeah, thanks to Finn Balor. If you want to support this podcast and all the free content that we give out each and every week via this podcast, via the YouTube channel, everywhere, uh, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. And you can get yourself a T-shirt. Get a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast T-shirt, a Not Sam T-shirt, a, uh, a, a What's the Haps T-shirt, whatever you want. They're all there for you at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. You can also get our Amazon link if you check out where the podcast is listed at NotSam.com, my website. If you go to NotSam.com, you can click the podcast link and find the Amazon link right there. Now, no holding back. Let's get into it. State of Wrestling. It's going to have to be a good-sized state of wrestling this week. There's a lot to get into. And, you know, I mean, I talked about this uh, several weeks ago about the possibility of bringing in a WWE draft and doing kind of like a fantasy draft on the show. At some point, I'd like to, but ever since Seth Rollins got injured, there's been so much going on and so much weirdness uh, that I thought it only appropriate to talk about it. By the way, if you like the state of wrestling, make sure you're watching state of wrestling videos that go up every week on the extra mustard section of Sports Illustrated. I think it's usually every Thursday morning-ish Sports Illustrated puts up a video about four minutes, five minutes long, Katie Lindahl and myself going over the top four stories in our minds, specifically in WWE. Uh, And then we go more in-depth with them here on the podcast. Uh, But the videos are fun to watch, so check those out. Uh, But today on the State of Wrestling, we really concentrate on what's going on in WWE and, uh, and how we feel coming out of Raw and where we feel the general direction of the company is going. Uh, so let's do it. Let's talk about it. It's a lot to talk about in the state of wrestling this week. Take it away, Mr. Finkel. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we are. Welcome to the State of Wrestling. Katie Linnedahl joins me. Gather around, everyone, and witness the debonair devastation of such exquisite sophistication. Why are you doing this? At Not Sam and at Katie Linendahl, back for another state of wrestling. Why are you doing the Vaughn villains? I don't know. I was digging it this week. I mean, the Vaughn villains are great, but I don't know if they have a ton to do with the state of wrestling. No. <laughs> <laughs> Love those Vaughn villains. But Vince... Nobody even knows who they are yet. Uh, we got a problem with the Vaude Villains. Nobody knows who they are. We're going to repackage them. Do you think that Aiden English walks around for real life with that mustache? Let me find out. Hey, Johnny, Aiden English. Is that mustache for real life? (laughs) What a character. Yeah, Nikki, it's for real life. I'm going to ask him myself, Vince, because he's following me on Twitter. <laughs> God True damn, story. Nikki. Now, what's Twitter? I don't know, but I heard that I'm up for the running in the Intercontinental IWGP XYF Hardcore Championship. That sounds like a headline to me. Sure does. Let's talk about the state yeah, of wrestling. Let's get real people. Uh... 
So, you were talking to me about we're we're a, a few days away from TLC. We'll be there. We'll go we're going to TLC. Still supporting WWE. I'll always support WWE. I'm, even when it comes to feeling like it's Stockholm syndrome, I'll always support WWE. I think it's a great product. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because I feel like there should be an outlet for fans who still like WWE. Mm-hmm. All that and that's why I brought you on board, Katie. Mm-hmm. You are one of the most uh positive people as far as pro wrestling goes that I think I've ever encountered. You didn't, I, I embrace the power of positivity. You do. You do. Hence your, hence your unicorn horn. I thought it was a zit, but it's a unicorn horn. It's a unicorn horn, and there's about ten more of them that I purchased from WWE Shop. <laughs> Tell me. Mm-hmm. You thought... You didn't mind Raw last I night. I did not. You thought it was good? I don't know if I'm, like, drinking this solo Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading, like, the recaps on it. Everybody just thinks it's a disaster. Well, you can't It's just get... like a giant pot where people just keep throwing in more ingredients. Yeah, the last thing I want is for you to get swayed by other won't. people. Like I, 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 I do what I want and I think what I want. Right, because when I when we first started doing this, you didn't read about wrestling on the internet at I all. It's not my thing. Right. It's not my thing. You like to watch, and that's why I like you. You watch the show. You've watched the show since you're a kid, and you give an honest reaction to it, and you enjoy it. What was your favorite part of Raw on Monday? We'll start there. The 144-man... Tag Team Fatal Four Way Elimination Extravaganza. You liked watching the Texas Tornado Battle Royal. I did, and uh, I was actually. In the bank I, I will match. be a little more specific in that. I was very. And by the way, well, let me say first, mm-hmm. I was very excited to see Rhino. You were. I was, and you and I have a disagreement here because you said you we'd never see him on main card. Well, I meant as a legitimate WWE the, superstar. You can't. You I can't mean, go back make, and caveat that he's making a special this appearance. Doesn't come with an asterisk. He's first of all. He's making a special appearance as an ECW alumni. That's like saying, yeah, like I, the Dudley wait, boys are full-time. Can I take time. it one step further? Rhino okay. and Tommy Dreamer are not. But that's fine. Dudley boys, we never thought were going to be full-time. That was no, a surprise. And I think seeing that moment where Reigns is up against Rhino, I thought that was, that could have gone, that could have gone somewhere. It was, and could go somewhere. He yeah. is a legitimate contender on May roster, in my subjective opinion. I mean, yeah, because what we need now is more people who were uh, popular years ago. I mean, you could say that about half the roster. Dude. That's my problem. That's my whole problem. Well, I, I'm not. Bi- I'm not agreeing with you on that. Number one, I don't. Rhino is not. I think he's very fresh for right now. Rhino's all, all things. I understand how long he's been in the business. Sorry, I'm stepping on you. Yeah, no, it's fine. Rhino's not going to be a, a main roster fixture. He's just here for the why it's ECW thing. The Dudley Boys will stick around, but Rhino and Tommy Dreamer are both. I mean, Tommy Dreamer's literally got another promotions logo on his pants. It's his promotion, and more power to Tommy for doing that. But it's it's pretty obvious to me that it's not like we're looking at Rhino and Tommy Dreamer as, like, future. Like, Rhino is simply in NXT to make young guys look better and to give young guys a seasoned performer to work with. And he's perfect for that because he's great in the ring. I love Rhino. You know that. I've I've loved Rhino since he was the man-beast when he jumped onto the scene in ECW. But when the man-beast Rhino became the man beast and ECW fans thought he was incredible it's because he was laying out the people that uh, we had grown up with well th- that had been established in ECW it's because he was coming in and laying out the Sandman and laying out Rob Van Dam and laying out Tommy Dreamer and this new man beast Rhino who we'd never seen before was busting on the scene and taking out all these established people that we thought were unbeatable so to bring Rhino back in 
to do anything but get taken out is a misuse. Especially because you know. he's endangered. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, I, I've heard that they use his horn uh, as, as uh, 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 I don't know, uh, to make pills in some continents. I could give you a, a, a whole fo- forum of science and technology that you don't want to hear right now. So you, you, so you like seeing Rhino. I didn't mind. But I feel like that's off. Uh, that was a sidebar. And I think Very to sidebar. get back to the point of the 144-man tag team. You like that. Elimination fatal four-way. I did. Okay. I didn't think that was sloppy. I thought it was fun. I think it was a good way to kick off Raw. I mean, it was fun. Here's a, a lot of problems with it for me, personally. Um, number one, if you're going to build the League of Nations as a bad guy faction, this idea that one day they could come face-to-face with the Wyatts is like, okay, like that, that that's something that evolves over time. Second week of them being a faction, the Wyatts are already have a problem with them. Why the Wyatts would have a problem with the League of Nations when they haven't settled their issue with ECW is beyond me. But we move forward. Why ECW would interrupt the Wyatts and the League of Nations about to kill each other is beyond me. If you're if I'm enemies with the Wyatts and I'm watching them about to get into a fight with these League of Nations, let them let somebody else beat them up and then I'll come in and take the scraps out. You know, that didn't make any sense to me. And. To watch everybody in the ring at once was kind of like blowing your load so quickly. I feel like the League of Nations are a good group. And it's a good use of talent that we don't necessarily have a, have a good use for. I think that it makes Sheamus a little more interesting, which he needs. I think it does add an element to Sheamus, which I like. I think it gives uh, Wade Barrett a place, which is about time, you know, because he's amazing. Um, and, and Alberto Del Rio and Rusev both belong there as well. And, and Lana should be with them. But I said this last week. This should be Roman Reigns, one versus all. Like, this should not be Roman Reigns and friends versus the League of Nations. This should be Roman Reigns on his own versus the League of Nations. If for no other reason than Dean Ambrose is busy with Kevin Owens, the Usos are busy with New Day. So let them be busy and let Roman Reigns look like a real underdog. Well, let me add one more against this monster faction to this equation here. I know you're not going to be happy. And actually, I know you've talked about this. We talked about this on Sports Illustrated this week. The Wyatts, again, first ones out. I mean, come on. And who eliminated the Wyatts? Come on. ECW. Rhino. I think it was Tommy Dreamer that actually made the pin. But, yeah. I mean, either way, it's like, look, here's what I'm hoping for. I'm trying not to get myself too frustrated about that because I'm hoping that that was done just to build a little interest, make ECW look strong going into TLC. Because my hope is that the Wyatts go into TLC. If they can do it at the pay-per-view, then all's well that ends well, I think. If the Wyatts can go into the pay-per-view and set fire to the legacy of ECW, then we're okay. As far as I'm concerned, we should be left with all four members of the Wyatts. It's an elimination tag, which, I, I, again, I mean, I was talking about it a couple months ago. WWE went into this thing where all they wanted to do was six-man tags. Now they go through Survivor Series season, and all they want to do is eight-man and elimination tags. They love elimination matches. You're a faction, and you're a faction, and you're a faction. You're a League of Nations, and a nation of domination, and yeah. Everybody's getting factions. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it should be—we uh, should be left in a scenario where the Wyatts dismantle that group at TLC. It's an elimination match, four-on-four. The Wyatt should, I feel like, dismantle them one by one. 
and be left in a scenario where it's like maybe just Bubba Ray by himself. But what is the point of bringing in this ECW nod at the moment anyways? Can you explain that to me? I would hope it's to bring in some established people to add credibility to the Wyatts once they take them out. They spend three weeks or however long it's been reminding everybody what a force to be reckoned with ECW is in, has been and then get to the pay-per-view and hopefully if it's done right and I, you know, hopefully make the Wyatts look stronger by spending three weeks reminding you, hey, these guys should be taken seriously and then the Wyatts dismantle them. And if the Wyatts dismantle ECW, you've done something where it gives the Wyatts some credibility that they desperately need, not a lot, but some, and it doesn't damage anything else on the roster. You so, know what I mean? But is that ECW car? Is, do you think that's just going to keep changing out with with more new guys every week? What do you, you mean, the faction? I'm just confused I as would to ass- why it's getting this ECW faction exists in the first place. I would assume it won't exist after the pay per view, and I would hope, quite frankly, that it won't exist after the pay per view. I hope the Dudleys stick around, and I think they will. But I don't think there's any reason to have an ECW reunion in 2015. I heard New Jack's coming back for TLC. I don't think New Jack's no, going to be anywhere that. near. That was just in my mind. You mean the original gangsta New Jack? I don't think he's going to be anywhere near that pay-per-view. <laughs> um, I don't think WWE has that much insurance. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I hope that they're being brought in to make uh, the Wyatts look strong. So you say after the, after TLC, essentially it's going to fizzle out? If it's up to me, it doesn't fizzle out. It literally burns to the ground. Maybe figuratively burns to the ground. But after TLC, the Wyatts are obviously and clearly dominant over all four men. And they move forward and we don't hear about ECW anymore. That's what should, that's the way it should happen. And if we have to extend it one more pay-per-view, fine. But we have to have exited this. And I've said this about the Wyatts many times, so I don't know why I would think it would be different this time. But I feel like we must exit the Wyatts-ECW feud with the Wyatts proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that ECW is simply not a match for the Wyatts in 2015, that the Wyatts are far too powerful, and we have not seen that on television. Well, here's my problem with that, though. You've already had them lose so many times. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I would assume that they're losing on TV so they can win on pay-per-view. That would be my assumption. Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, because if they lose on TV, if they win every match on TV and then they do it at the pay-per-view, they should just win all of them. Yeah, if but you're then saying it's not, that they're that strong. It's not an exciting thing at the pay per view then. Um, like, there's no reason to tune in if you're like, okay. I mean, that's like watching the Wyatts now. It's like people feel like there's no reason to watch Bray Wyatt because you know he's going to lose. That's where wins and losses matter. When it comes to this like thing where you're like, no, I know he's not going to win because he never wins. That's when wins and losses start to matter because it, it takes away. That's why I mean, I would I would rather prefer though a Wyatt streak, a strong streak that's like just completely dominates. Yeah, but you can't go from uh, being destroyed by Kane and the Undertaker to then dominating. Well, not everything. now, right? So what you would do is it's going to need a ramp up at this point. Well, you this is the ramp up where well, they've the ramp won up some. Currently sucks. They've lost some. They go to the pay per view. They destroy ECW, and then launching off of destroying ECW, they can go on a reign of terror. Theoretically, it's very, very possible and feasible. And hopefully, that's the direction everything's going in. I almost don't like to talk about the way I would like things to go because it makes so much sense to me. And then I feel like I read people on Twitter. They're like, yeah, I would love to see that happen. And then I feel like it gets out there in the world and like then WWE is not going to do it because it's out there now. I mean, you do have some very strong ideas, Sam. I've, I will well, to you. Um, I'm looking forward. I, I think 
the Sheamus Roman Reigns match will be a good match. Here's here's my whole. This was my problem with Raw and why it felt messy to me is if you sit a new viewer down. Let me give you a few scenarios. We'll start with this one doesn't really fit into the same puddle that everything else fell into, but it still falls into a puddle. Dolph Ziggler versus Tyler Breeze. Tell me the truth. Yeah. Do you care? Well, I didn't care the fifth time. That's my point. That they have so many victories in between each other that it's like whatever. Then they're, they It's a best of ten. They yeah. strike me as both exactly the same. And that's the last thing you want. Why would you want to come out of like you had this moment at Survivor Series where Tyler Breeze gets a clean victory over Dolph Ziggler. Here we go. Perfect. Done. Great. But then since then, like, you keep going and you keep going and they keep kind of having confrontations and whatever. And it's like we're literally watching the same match or the same thing where Tyler Breeze comes to ringside and sits there at the furry chairs over and over and over again to the point where it doesn't have a result. There is no – it's just a wash. Now – That aside, so you got that. And that, I feel like, is one of the few spaces where you know you've got uh, Tyler Breeze is a bad guy. Dolph Ziggler is a good guy. I feel like that's very clear. The fans are supposed to cheer for Dolph Ziggler. They're supposed to boo Tyler Breeze. Unfortunately, the whole thing is a wash because nobody can care about it because it's so much of the same thing over and over again. Here's where it's getting very murky. There is no way... You can tell me who in that company is a good guy and who in that company is a bad guy. None. And especially if you're if you're putting a new viewer in front of Raw. And they always target the show towards new viewers. That's why commentary explains everything. There's no way when you watch that show, a new viewer can sit there and figure out who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. Let me give you a scenario. A guy wrestles a great match. It's very back and forth. It's two segments long, right? And it is it's, it's the best match of the night. And near fall after near fall after near fall, finally, at the end of the match, one man is victorious. He's given it his all. He's exhausted. All of a sudden, after this man has exhausted himself winning this match and, and winning it fairly, all of a sudden, his, uh, his rival's music hits. And his rival enters the ring, throws food in his face, and leaves. Who in that scenario is a good guy and who in that scenario is a bad guy? Probably the guy throwing food in the face is not a nice guy, right? Right. I just told you what is the buildup for Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose. But- Kevin Owens being the bad guy who had just had this hard-fought match with Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose, the good guy, who just comes out and throws popcorn. Coward. And kind of looks cowardly. But I have to say one thing. It's new. It's French. It's a new word. That's right. Um, Not to disagree with you, but to to be a little more positive about this. I thought, you know, a few weeks back, we had an interesting conversation about how there really isn't good and bad anymore. Like, the the territory and the landscape has changed. Yeah, but you need a reason to watch. Like, you need to... There has to be some kind of battle going on. Like, there's... But to the point of, like... Kevin Owens has to try so hard for people to hate him because they like him so much. Yeah, but it's like we're in a different kind of – it's like the you got Roman Reigns shoved down your throat and everybody didn't like him. You can't, you can't even do the tell who's good, who's bad because yeah, nobody's going to buy into it. The story – but that's not what they're doing. They're still doing the who's good, who's bad. 
They shouldn't be doing that. But that's you a, just said that they, it's hard to tell. So which is because it? Because there's no storytelling happening. But you just said you're confusing me. Now you just said that. <laughs> eh! I don't like to think. Because the stories being told are good versus evil stories. I mean, literally, Roman Reigns and the good guys versus Sheamus and the bad guys. Like We're still in an era of good versus bad, regardless of how you put it. So the fact that these characters are not being defined... It doesn't. You're not left with a shades of gray thing like the Attitude Era. You're left with a. I don't exactly know what the story is. Okay, here. I've, now you've clarified that. For okay. Me. All right. Good. Yeah. Because I mean, because that's what ends up happening. Like, okay, New Day. New Day comes out. Well, that's a great example. How about that? How about Team Bad? That's another great example. Team Bad is bad, right? Because they're bad. They're supposed to be bad guys. But they're getting cheered. Okay, they're getting cheered. And they're beating up Brie Bella, who I thought Brie Bella was a bad guy, but she's still doing the Daniel Bryan yes, yes, yeses, which is the biggest good guy thing you can do, even though she kind of acts like a bad guy. Right? Well, we've never been sure. what The, the Bellas switch sides all, all the time on good-bad. But then you've got, you've got before These the commercial— These are com- good examples, though. I'll hand it to you. Before the commercial break, you've got New Day and Team Bad dancing together with unicorn horns on. Unity! Doing, having merchandise. And it's some of the top-selling merchandise, like, appealing to children, Yeah, right? look so at you, my f- past orders. Exactly. Wait, so did you, you say p- <laughs> to children? <laughs> well, yeah. <I'm> at 10. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you've got this thing where it's, it's, it's New Day and Team Bad, and they're all dancing together, and it's happy, and you're having fun, and you're like, I love these guys, right? Then they go to commercial break. Then they come back. And New Day talks about how great the Legion of, of Countries is. Mm-hmm. The League of Nations is. Mm-hmm. The Legion of Nations. And so you go, wait, 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 wait. I just liked you a minute ago. I was supposed to boo the League of Nations. I don't know. I don't. And then you go, okay, well, Team Bad are those. I mean, uh, New Day are lovable bad guys. Okay. But Team Bad was supposed to be like bad like we're the mean girls right but the Bellas were the mean girls but I was cheering for the Bellas because they were saying it's just so muddled that's the word everything feels very muddled yep to me and 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 like I said I'm, I'm I like storytelling like like stuff you don't expect and stuff and it, no not everything has to be so cut and dry you know not everything has to be here's good here's bad they fight good wins but you kind of have to have some semblance of, okay, I see where this well, is Well, do you going. think a lot of this is deriving from the fact that ratings are so low and there's so much complaining going on that, that it's like, let's throw everything against the wall and we're in panic mode? Is that where this is? Maybe. Or here's what it is, I think. I think, I think there's some of that going on because I think there's no way they don't notice that ratings are low, right? And they are throwing things at the wall to just see what, see what sticks – but they still want the same things to stick. Oh, I see. So they're yeah. like, no. Roman Reigns versus Sheamus is the main event. This is what the match is. This is the match. So let's throw everything we can at the wall to see how do we make Roman Reigns as a good guy work. And it's like we're trying everything except the obvious, which is stop giving people what they're rejecting. I mean, people were complaining watching the show because the crowd is was dead for a lot of it. You know, the crowd wasn't reacting to a lot of stuff. But 
you can't blame the audience. You never, for any performance, for any TV show, for anything, you can never blame the audience. You know, I don't think you can ever blame an audience. No matter how difficult that audience is, it's a performer's job to go out there and capture them. Yeah, but in in the same token, though, that you, I mean, if you go to a Philly crowd and then, I mean, I can tell you at at a recent overseas show, I thought the crowd was like totally quiet right. and not exciting. I think, yeah, if you do have a good crowd, it does make things a lot more amped up, so you can't disagree with that. Yeah, but there's a lot more quiet crowds than there used to be. That's your point. And the reason is because there's not anything to be like, I have to see this show. I don't know what's going to happen next. You kind of know what's going to happen next. You don't have to see the show. You know, and that's that sucks because you don't have to see it. You know what I mean? Like, did you have to watch Raw on Monday? No. Like, if you had missed Raw on Monday and turned on the pay-per-view on Sunday, it's fine. Honestly, if you would watch the Raw after Survivor Series and that's it, you could still watch the pay-per-view and not miss anything, really. You know what I mean? To me, you know, and I know you didn't, you, you didn't have these issues when you were watching Raw. And that's fine. You know, but I'm... So, so I... Maybe I'm thinking too deeply into it. No, but I do see your points after you've spelled it out. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's probably because I'm sitting there in my own head, Sam Robertsing me. Right. I'm like, Sam, listen to this. Watch this. Do the... And I don't know. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of, like, ultra-talented people. And you want to believe that they're going to get these opportunities. But you just... You start to wonder. And really, wrestling gets questionable this time of the year every year. It's not a great time for wrestling. December through, you know, I'm, they, they say it's the ramp up to WrestleMania, but the last three years, people have gone into WrestleMania questioning whether or not they were going to even enjoy the show. And they it ends up being the greatest show of all time. Like, you know, they have not failed with a WrestleMania, I don't think, unless I'm missing something. But certainly last year. I mean, last year, the morale of the fan base was low. Remember that? Walking into WrestleMania in uh, in San Diego or wherever it was? Um, and it was an amazing show. It was. I don't, they haven't done a better show since then, which is the way WrestleMania should be. It's just... Right now, it's just like, really? Like, there's there's... So many people, and, you know, people are talking about Kevin Owens kind of now being looked at as the guy. All you have to do is look at the people who are selling merchandise, you know? When Kevin Owens comes out there, you feel like it's Kevin Owens, right? Like, that's what you were talking about. He's so good. And I have no problem. Turn Kevin Owens into a good guy. Or whatever you want to do. Just let Kevin Owens be Kevin Owens. But when Kevin Owens goes out there, do you feel like he's reading a script, or do you feel like he's just being Kevin Owens? Being Kevin Owens. Right. What about New Day? Yeah. Just being New Day. Whose face has somehow been plastered on more merchandise than anyone else? Kevin Owens and New Day. They have Kevin Owens picture frames for sale. Kevin Owens (laughs) picture frames are for sale. And by the way, Kevin Owens and New Day. Is Kevin Owens in the picture? Came with the frame. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is that your cousin? No, no, no. I don't know. Came with the frame, but I like it. He's got a nice beard. Um, They're bad guys, by the way. You know what I mean? And it's like, and and I say that to say that I get what you're saying about kind of 
Shades of Grey and and listening to the crowd. But to me, that means that you have to alter your storytelling and maybe don't portray Kevin Owens. If you want to portray Kevin Owens as sympathetic, then he can't be a bad guy. He's got to be a badass good guy. Nothing wrong with being a badass good guy. You know, Roman Reigns is simply, he's too talented, he's too good-looking, he's got too much going for him to ever gain sympathy. You're never going to look at Rowans and be like, uh, Roman Reigns and be like, ah, oh, I wonder if he can do it. Of course he can do it. Look at him. He's, 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 he, if a factory made professional wrestlers, it would look like Roman Reigns. You're never going to look at Roman Reigns and be like, ah, can he do it? Yes, of course. Duh. That's why he's here. So that feeling of duh is like not a sympathetic person. So then wait, can we go back to. Which means you can't and, and, and you can't build up to being a good guy without sympathy. You can become a good guy if you're such a good bad guy that you just end up becoming a good guy. That's what happened with The Rock. Not to say Roman, but who knows? But The Rock came on the scene. Everybody booed him. So what did they do? They made The Rock turn on the fans because he wasn't sympathetic, because he's a good-looking kid, because he has all this ability, because they're trying to push him to the moon, and they don't want him. They don't want him smiling. They don't want him doing any of the stuff that, by the way, Roman Reigns does every match. So what do they do? They say, all right, Rock, go out there and be yourself and tell the fans what you think of him. And Rock goes out there, and he tells the fans to shove it. He goes, the Die, Rocky, Die promo created The Rock, the same way Austin 316 created Austin. So now you've got The Rock as a bad guy, and he's such a good bad guy that you have to make him a good guy. It's very possible. But you can't turn The Rock into the good guy The Rock became if he's, if he's a good guy throughout because he'll never have sympathy. Never. Nobody was ever going to feel bad for The Rock. So say those internet rumors are true, and we do see Owens Lesnar at Mania, which I think is huge. Well, yeah, that's what, that's what people are saying, that that's huge, a possibility. Huge. And who knows? I think 100,000 things change between now and WrestleMania. So Fine, but let's just keep the notion. Sure. What category do each of them fall in? I think the only way that match works is if Kevin Owens... Because Kevin Owens can have sympathy. You know why? Because he looks like you. He looks like a guy in the front row. And that's his biggest asset. People have, have said, like Jim Cornette and people like that have said, that that is a detraction. That's why he'll never get over, and that's wrong. He looks like the guy in the front row, but he can wrestle better than anyone on the cart. And that's the story of Kevin Owens. Like, this guy was not supposed to make it, and he's here because he's that good, you know? So I think Kevin Owens beating Brock Lesnar is an underdog, is this sort of— Kevin Owens believes in himself— he needs to always maintain that confidence. He does not this, I think I can do it. I think, like, Kevin Owens is like, Lesnar, I'm going to kick your ass. The point is nobody else thinks he's going to kick his ass. And then Kevin Owens would have to go in. And in order for, I, I think, for that to be effective, you'd have to have Kevin Owens beat Brock Lesnar. And there's a couple things to go into that. Number one, you'd have to spend the next four months prepping Kevin Owens to be a big-time dude because... The amount of work and money that you put into Brock Lesnar, this would be, if Brock Lesnar fought Kevin Owens and lost, that would be the payoff to the Undertaker streak losing. In an effect, it would almost be like giving the Undertaker streak to Kevin Owens. You know what I mean? It, it's that level of a rub because it's like the question still remains, why did Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker streak? And the answer is because 
that created the monster. Before Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker's streak, sometimes he won, sometimes he lost. He wasn't this guy that was guaranteed to win everything. He wasn't just eating people. So now he just eats people. That's what Brock Lesnar does. Nobody beats Brock Lesnar. So the first guy that beats Brock Lesnar, it's going to be like, here's your moment. Here, you want to talk about opportunities. Here it is. We're giving you the biggest opportunity we've given anyone. You just beat the guy who conquered the streak, who beat John Cena, who beat everybody. You know what I mean? I like it. So if they're ready to commit on that level to Kevin Owens, they have to kind of start telling the story over the next few months. And they can't screw it up. And it's 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 dangerous, but it has to be done with somebody. And I really think there are a lot of people that have potential to be giant superstars. I really think Kevin Owens has a huge potential to be a monster of a superstar. And he doesn't have the typical look, but neither did Daniel Bryan. And they've they've just got to get over that stuff. Like Daniel Bryan has the potential to be a giant superstar. Kevin Owens has the potential to be a giant you superstar. You argued that with me like four weeks ago. What? When I said I was I was annoyed that Kevin Owens was getting pushed down to like B level territory and you said he's a B level guy. Right now. In the story that's being told right now. That's why I said you have to skew the storytelling. You see what I'm saying? Like it's it's not Kevin Owens is a B level guy, that's what he's going to accomplish. It's this character, this story that's being told has Kevin Owens in this spot. One day he'll get to a higher spot, but right now, this is the story that he's in. If he moves on to Brock Lesnarville, like right now, there is no leap for Kevin Owens. I mean, maybe with, with Seth Rollins injured and all this stuff. But after the John Cena feud, with John Cena winning the overall war, Kevin Owens won a couple battles. John Cena won the war. So once that happens, Kevin Owens, the character, gets pushed down a couple pegs and has to rebuild a little bit, which is fine. And if he's able to rebuild, it's fine. Uh, like that's what happened to Bray Wyatt theoretically it's like that's why I was like okay it's okay that Bray Wyatt lost to John Cena the problem is that Bray Wyatt lost to everybody else after John Cena so the rebuilding phase is so much more so when Kevin Owens loses his war with John Cena it's like okay so we're not pushing him to the moon to start that's fine bring him down to a B level and let him excel there then we start bringing him back up that's what I meant to say maybe I didn't make myself Clear enough, because I don't want you to think they think Kevin Owens is just a B-level performer, because he's not. But things have changed, especially with Seth Rollins out. I think Kevin Owens performed crazy well in uh, the Survivor Series tournament. I think that he's selling merchandise like crazy. People are cheering for him. He's, he excites people. He's new. He's different. And there's nobody like him. Uh, so... You know, I think he's got a, a world of potential. But, like I said, I, th- I think you would need to tell the story properly for over the next few months. Keep him looking strong but not too strong. Don't have him lose matches. Uh, and then, once he beats Brock Lesnar, that's when he's launched to the AAA level. And that's when he can start going after the world title. That's what I would think would be a logical progression for Kevin Owens. But again, this is like long-term storytelling where you have faith in your guys and you have faith in your stories. And that's that's the only way I think this works. I mean, look, I've never written for wrestling. I've never performed. I've never spent, you know, a huge amount of time in a locker room. So maybe I'm just, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking the whole thing. But that's the logical progression to me for this story to be told. You know, and that's how you, you get Kevin Owens 
to be in a place where he's a, he, he's in in the A level because he can be. It just has to be told the right way. If you just put him there, then it's like if you put him there out of nowhere, then he's going to be leaving out of nowhere. You know, if it's not sort of a logical progression, this is what happens with everybody. This is what I mean when you when you just throw somebody into that spot, it never it's it doesn't work and it never has and it never will. And it's interesting too. I was watching, I was thinking about WWE now. I actually was watching, believe it or not, I know you don't go back and watch the old stuff. I was watching Survivor Series 96 on the WWE Network. Headlined by Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid, Undertaker versus Mankind, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, the last time I watched that was actually in 96. <laughs> <laughs> it really was a great Survivor Series. And it was a great show because to me, it was really... I think the last show of that sort of cartoony era, that to me was when the Attitude Era started to take shape. You had Austin 316 already born, so it was starting, but I really felt like it was starting to take shape. Take shape. Of course, that Survivor Series match with Austin and Brett lead, led to the WrestleMania 13 submission match where Austin and Brett did the switcheroo, which led to Bret Hart being the bad guy Hart foundation leader and Austin being the badass good guy which changed wrestling forever um, but the reason that I bring it up is because you could hear in the audience the fans were tired of the product that's when Rocky Maivia debuted as Rocky Maivia the good guy with a smile on his face and everybody was like what Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid the New York audience is booing Shawn out of the building to the point where Shawn's actually reacting to it like he has a problem with it and Shawn Michaels was the biggest. Shawn Michaels was the John Cena of the time. And if you go back and you watch that, you can hear they are booing him. Crazy. And the fan, the kids are still cheering for him. It's just like, you know, watching now. You can hear kids cheering for him. If we were doing this podcast, I'd be having the same conversation about Shawn Michaels. The kids are cheering for him, but you can hear an overwhelming boo headed towards Shawn Michaels. And what happens within months after that is... WWE realizes that the product is stale, and that's why people are booing, and that's why ratings are going down. I think and- your opportunity here, though, with ex- you, you having you say exactly that, the Kevin Owens of the world, the Finn Balor's of the world, the um, Sami Zayn's been injured forever. Bring up all that fresh talent, Apollo Crews. Look, I think that could redefine an era. You need a lot more than talent because they've got talent and they're not using them. Like, the last thing you want to do is bring up all this talent and have them not used. You need to completely revamp the product. It's stale. I love WWE. It needs to be completely revamped. The same way it did in 96, 97. 96, I guess. It needed to get revamped, and it needs to get revamped. And unfortunately, I think what's really stopping the revamping is that they were forced to revamp in the mid-90s because Nitro was on, and they were losing ratings. Like, And, and when they lost ratings in 96, there was another wrestling show that was gaining ratings. So it's not just like living in a vacuum. It's not like, oh, well, less people are watching TV. You know, people are watching the Internet. No, people are watching Nitro instead of Raw. That means we have to do something drastic here. And, you know, people, there's no other wrestling show to, you know, compare with. But, I mean, WWE says everything is their competition, right? That's what the, the company line is. WWE goes, well, they're all our competition. So... If that's the case, not every TV show is losing ratings. There are lots of very successful TV shows. 
You know, there there are. Well, I think it's become very mainstream too. I mean, to see some headlines about how bad. Well, that's that's and that's a public company. That's where you're in trouble. Right, and that's what really struck me. And I emailed you that article. Is that earlier or, or late last week? The New York Post ran an article that was simply about the wrestling audience losing interest, and it was that's all. It was about the actual product getting stale in the opinion of some of the viewers, and it's like. I don't know. I hope that it's being listened to, and I I don't know if it's if it's somebody somebody tweeted me, and I don't want to take credit for this, and I don't even know if I agree with it. Somebody tweeted me that uh, Vince McMahon is the new George Lucas, <laughs> and that he created something that we all love, and he made it even better, and then he made it worse, and it was like, why why'd you do that? It was so good. We didn't need Jar Jar. You didn't need to add in more Ewoks. You know, you didn't need to do all this stuff. Why did you do that? That's what people said to George Lucas. And even now, with the new Star Wars coming out, people have faith in somebody that grew up with Star Wars, revamping this whole thing, relaunching it for today's era, and saying J.J. Abrams can do that. And maybe that's maybe that's what's needed. Maybe you need somebody. From the Smashing Pumpkins. I don't know if Billy Corgan's the guy for it. But I mean, but I think in the same um, to use that as an analogy, I think Star Wars can't fail with this. There's no way Force Awakens cannot come out the gate. It's too big of a deal to to fail now. I feel like WWE is heading in the same position. You can't with their next move if they do revamp, they can't screw it up. Oh, you mean you mean Star Wars can't fail in the sense that. Like, there's too much on the line. For this one. Right. Yeah, we've, it's already been screwed up before. Right. Now so it's like, like you like have it's gonna, all the time yes. in the world to make this right. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. And, yeah, no, that's 100% right. You know, I don't know if it's going to take a Triple H to take care of all creative. Um, obviously, the, the there's something in the creative process that needs to be revamped. I don't know enough about the inner workings of the thing to blame writers, to blame Vince McMahon, to blame Triple H. I think it's wrong when people try to find people to blame because none of us work there. So none of us know for sure who's at fault for this stuff. But whatever's happening now, to me, has got the WWE in danger. And, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks this. And, And I love WWE, and it's the only reason why I bring it up because there's just no reason to accept something that you know is not that great in your heart because you've grown up with it. I am so ready to be presented with a better product and to come on here and rave about it. I'm so ready to fast forward from now until WrestleMania and come on here and talk about how amazing WrestleMania was. But we've got four months, and I do not want to do four months of podcasts Complaining about Monday Night Raws, you know? It's just not... That's not why I started doing this. But... You know, I'll tell you what I did like about Monday Night Raw. Number one, I liked... I liked Team Bad dancing with New Day, and I loved watching Sasha Banks twerk. And Sasha <laughs> Banks... <laughs> really got your priorities in check, Sam. I mean, it was great. And and watching Sasha Banks dominate over Brie Bella the last two weeks has been amazing. It's just a confusion as to where they fall in line in terms of good guys, bad guys, what like who are their allies, who are their 
uh, enemies, blah, blah, blah. That's the part that confuses me. I love what Sasha Banks is doing. I think it's good that they're keeping her separated from Charlotte and Paige and the women's title and everything because it creates a little bit more of a dynamic women's division. Uh, so I like that. Uh, I loved watching Zeb Coulter scoot away. <laughs> Watching him scoot off, I think, and I think that's the right move. I think if you're going to do the League of Nations, I don't think Zeb Coulter has that huge of a place in it. It's a melting pot, Sam. It is a melting pot. Come on. No, uh, but I think you know you got Lana outside the ring, uh, and then Del Rio, Sheamus, Barrett, and uh, Rusev. I think that all works. I, I like that. I don't mind that at all. Um, and it's old school wrestling. It's like we're not American, so you boo us. You know, it's like every country is just getting booed for the sake of them being different. And that's fine. It's fun. It's old wrestling. It's cool. I mean, did you watch the end of Raw? Yeah. Taking out the trash. Taking out the trash. Did you you so you watched the promo between Sheamus and Roman Reigns? You mean what do you mean promo? The the like the last very last the segment. Yeah. And what did you think of of Seamus and Roman Reigns going back and forth. The only thing I liked about that, well, you know I don't like when there's no conclusion. I don't like endings with no conclusion. Well, I like, I, a, I like a bow on it. He powerbombed it through a table. Yeah, but it's, it just kept going. It but did. I do oh like that God, it's hard it hitting. I, that will be a good match, and you know that. No, I'm looking forward to the match, and once the action got picked up, yeah, that was fun to watch. How long did it take to get to the action? Like, as long as it takes The Undertaker to get to the ring? A long-ass time. And at least yeah. when the Undertaker gets to the ring, there's some sweet music playing. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think I, I think I took a shower. I ordered some takeout. I, I mean, a lot happened during that. It was a long time. Tater tots and potatoes. Yeah, thanks for that update, Sam. Katie uh, did not realize that Roman Reigns was making a veiled reference to Seamus' testicles. Nope. And uh, she came to me today before the show. I told her I wish I had not told her before we started the show. Because Katie goes, man, I watched that last segment on Raw. I was like, did you like it? And she was like, well, it made me hungry for some tater tots. I was like, uh, Katie, he was, he was making a reference to Seamus. Who knows this? Testicles. Potatoes. He's not fighting. Who knows this? Everybody except you. It's, it's, he said, I thought Irish people fought. You're not fighting. You're just talking. I thought you had potatoes. I guess you're just smuggling tater tots. Tater tots are round, but much smaller than potatoes. Meaning Seamus has, uh, infant testicles. Well. And thus not a lot of courage. Learn something new every day. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, it was it was not good. It was not a it was not a good the 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 back and forth was not great between Sheamus and Roman Reigns. No, the Roman Reigns mic action still still not a strong and I, Dillinger ten. And I'll tell you why it's not because of because Roman Reigns is not portraying Roman Reigns. He's doing something weird. He's doing something else. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing, dude? Like what? Like and 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 he knows it. You know, I th- I believe, and I don't know, I haven't talked to him about it, but I think Roman knows that this is not what he should be doing. But for whatever reason, maybe he feels like he doesn't have a choice and he's just following orders. Um, you know, I was talking to MVP on my show uh, this week, and I'll put it on the podcast maybe next week or in a couple weeks so you can hear the interview if you haven't heard it. But he said something interesting about going to Vince McMahon with ideas when he was there and not doing things necessarily. Like, you know, some things you have to do. But if something didn't work, being able to go to Vince and say, Vince, like, I don't think this works. What do you think of this? And if it's a good idea, he said Vince was very, at that time, which was whatever, several years ago, 
But he said Vince was very receptive to that. I don't know if the conditions are different now. Hmm. But I think, you know, if New Day can go out and do what they want, if Team Bad can go out there, quote Chappelle show, and do whatever they want, if, if uh, you know, if, if Kevin Owens can go out there and do whatever he wants, if Miz can go out there and do whatever he wants, you would think Roman Reigns would be able to be like, look, I'm the guy. I know I'm the guy. Here's what I got to do. Period. You know, just go and say. Well, and I think at this point, too, you got to try some different strategy. It's not happening, though, is it? No. No, it's not. Well, Katie Linendahl. I feel like that was an hour of complaining, Sam. Well, I, I don't want it. To but be, I, w- I will give you, you, you spun it into how you think you could make it better. So that's what it's that's about. That's key. That's what it's about. It's about... And it, we can always take something and make it better. Right. It's not about just sitting here and saying, this is a problem, this is a problem. It's like, there are solutions here. Absolutely. And and WWE has every tool they need to solve every problem. And I have no doubt that at some point they will. What's going to force them into that corner to solve the problem? I don't know. But they will solve the problem they have the talent you know they have the, the they have the television they have everything they have the writing team they have uh creative people they have old wrestlers they have tv writers they have everything they need you know all, i think it's going to take young guys that are or you know guys that are in the company now stepping up and saying this is what i should be doing here's my idea and it's going to take wwe trusting those guys to kind of take their destiny into their own hands a little bit uh like WWE had to do 20, 15 years ago, whatever it was, um, when they were in trouble. Because, you know, I I just, I don't know if they're in a great place. And I think that they can get out of it because they're a great company with great talent. Uh, you know, and they still have a fan base. I'm still going to TLC. And by the way, every show I watch, I'm ready for it to be the one where it's like, nope, complain all you want. That was a good show. Nope, I see. And every time something happens, like I said with the Wyatt thing, I'm not sitting here complaining about the Wyatts losing to ECW because I know that there is a potential for the make good to happen at the pay-per-view. And I'm optimistic that that's what's going to happen. So, you know, you can't be pessimistic about it. But at some point, you do have to call out what's going on. Correct. And and there is something going on here. And you can read about it in the newspaper if you don't want to hear it on this podcast. It's like people know. The newspaper. That's right. It's like the Daily News or the like Post or I don't know. No, they have newspapers still. <laughs> if you want to uh, uh, follow Katie Linendahl, it's at Katie Linendahl on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can get her great podcast at Katie.show. We have Dan Slott on yeah. uh, Katie.show this week, who's the author of Spider-Man. He was a great interview and kind of let us in on a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff that, uh, that goes on at, uh, when writing Spider-Man. So, Katie, thank you for being here. Thank you, Sam. I feel like I crushed your dreams and your spirit. It's all good. I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, I can't wait to go to TLC. Yeah. Can't wait to come back here with our live recap of what it was like. True that. You excited about TLC? I'm very excited about Me TLC. Too. Me too. Every And by the way, I said this on the Sports Illustrated show. Let me say it on the podcast. The New Day uh, Usos Lucha Dragons match Ooh. is going to be a show stealer. Insane. That lad, it's a three triple threat ladder match with those three teams. All three of those teams want to impress. You can feel it every time they wrestle. Um, I think that match is going to be the show stealer. And honestly, that could potentially be a strong enough match where people have to take notice and start doing things differently in WWE. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know it's going to be a show stealer. So I'm really looking forward to that. 
thank you, Katie. We'll see you guys at the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, next week here on the podcast and State of Wrestling. Give me a Chowski. Chowski. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.